Well, good morning. If you haven't yet turned to Genesis 2, go ahead and do that. Keep your thumb there. We'll come back to it in just a moment. We'll be looking at Genesis 2, 8 through 18. And a lot of times when we, when we do uh, a sermon series, what we'll do is we'll unpack a certain scripture and talk about other scriptures that affect what we're talking about. But today, what we're going to do is we're just going to look at this one passage in Genesis 2. Genesis 2, 8 through 18. We're just going to focus on, on one main truth that we'll get to in just a second. Uh, we'll focus on this one main truth from Genesis 2 as it applies to this series. We're beginning a new series today called Don't Go Solo. Don't Go Solo. The purpose of this series, I'll just go ahead and tell you up front and, and make it clear. The purpose is to convince you, to convince ourselves from Scripture, that God intends us to do life together. Scripture intends for us to do life together. That's the way God created us. We want to learn together that God created us to live in community as a living, earthly, breathing model of God's perfect nature and character. The people of God are called to live out a relationship that is perfect in God himself. You see, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, enjoy perfect relationship with one another. From eternity past to eternity future, the Trinity, the three-in-one, will enjoy perfect communion and fellowship with one another because God's nature and character are perfect. And we are called as the people of God to live out as best we're able to live out that relationship that exists with God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, God wants us to know one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to worship together, so that what we do as, as we're exemplifying these things, so that what we do is we glorify the one who created us. Throughout this series, I will be inviting you to imagine ways to overcome things like loneliness and to put on the Christian character of togetherness and community to which he calls us. Because let's, let's face it up front, friends. There are a lot of us who feel extremely isolated and very lonely. If we're honest with ourselves, in our quiet moments, will we consider our satisfaction with our lives and our relationships with others? And, and we measure our satisfaction with them. We all have to admit that at some level, we all struggle with this loneliness and these feelings of isolation from one another and from God. We're going to open the series today at the beginning. When God has formed Adam, he formed Adam and placed him in the garden to tend it, to work it. God created Adam with a creative kind of function. So let's go ahead and read that passage again together. This is Genesis 2, 8 through 18, where we'll be focusing today. We'll read it together again, even though we just read it. It's good to hear it again. Verse 8, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. 
And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to out of the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Videlium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but... Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. If you do yard work, if you plant and you tend gardens, if you're responsible for the upkeep of, of buildings, pavements, vehicles of any kind, um, then you know that nature, at least I'm told, <laughs> if you do those things, um, nature, left unattended, tends to not exactly be tidy. If you take care of the ground, if you, if you garden, you, you have to do things to it. Left to its own devices, nature isn't exactly pretty <laughs> all the time. It's aggressive, it, it, it tends toward disrepair. Weeds happen. They just, they just happen. The thing that fascinates me that we're going to focus about today, the thing that fascinates me about the biblical account of creation that we're going to focus on is that God creates a garden and then he puts this man whom he has apparently made elsewhere into the garden and he says to Adam, tend the garden. He says, work it, Adam, work it. So here is Adam in the Garden of Eden, which even today stands for a place of paradise and peace and comfort and safety. And Adam's purpose in this place of paradise is to work it. So apparently paradise isn't just sitting on a beach and being given everything you want. Paradise apparently has to do with tending and working the garden. It's tending to the work of creation, bringing order out of disorder, making culture, making culture in the place where God has planted you. And apparently this is what Adam here sets out to do. He's, he's trimming trees, he's growing food, he's, he's shaping paths in the wilderness, building houses for a living, who knows. He sets about, though, to make the wilderness a home. And according to the story here in Genesis 2, God looks upon this, this creative enterprise. He looks at Adam's work in the garden, and he sees something is missing. God says right there in verse 18, it is not good for the man to be alone. Can I get a witness? <laughs> it is not good for the man to be alone. I will create a helper suitable for him. So Adam is alone in this garden, and God saw that, that, that that's not good. 
Now take note of this. God appears, from what we're reading here, to want to create in conjunction with others. God appears to want to create with others. He wants to have co-creators. That's what culture is. It's taking the stuff of the created order, it's taking the stuff that God gives us and molding it and shaping it, making, making a product with it. Sometimes it uses our hands, sometimes it uses our minds, hopefully it uses both. Um, so Adam is alone in this garden, and something's not right, and so he gives him a helper that will fit. If God wanted to create alone, by himself, he could have made billions of worlds where there are creatures that do not by themselves create and do stuff. He could have done that. We'll return to this thought in a little bit at the end here. But seeing that this man is, is creating in relative isolation, God creates animals out of the dust of the ground and, and parades them in front of Adam. Adam sees them and he, he names them. He names each one. So God creates animals and Adam creates words for them. That's culture. That's taking the stuff God made and naming it. It's doing something with it. God allows Adam to be a partner in the creative enterprise. So when I say culture, I mean anything that you and I do, that we produce, that uses the created stuff. Words are culture. Painting is culture. Buildings are, are culture. It's the place where we take that stuff that God has created and we do something productive with it. So God allows Adam to be a partner in the creative enterprise. Adam is, in some sense, an appropriate co-creator with God because God has made him in his image to be like that. But, <laughs> but, comma, Adam needs some companionship that is equal to him. The animals are nice, and they are pretty and they run around and they do stuff but they are not fit to be co-creators with Adam. God decides to make a being that is worthy of being a co-creator with Adam and likewise with God in this culture enterprise. Someone to tend and to keep the world with Adam. So God puts Adam into a deep sleep and he hasn't slept soundly since. No. Um, Adam wakes up. He wakes up with woman from his side and at his side. God brings Eve to Adam and he says, Well, what do you think? And if I may paraphrase, Adam says something like, Now that's what I'm talking about. So now Adam and Eve are together in this. They make a pair that can co-create, in a sense, to an even higher level than just Adam could by himself. That's the rub here. Adam by himself, sorry guys, didn't exactly fit the bill. Something more had to be done. There was something missing in this who Adam was created to be thing that was not yet there. Most of you, of course, know that in the next chapter here, the story takes a terrible turn, and, and Adam and Eve partake from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
and, and their creative efforts as a result will be tainted in a new way with, with pain and with, with difficulty. But their fundamental purpose remained the same. Be creative makers and sustainers of the world that you inhabit and to do this together because you need each other. It's too big a project to do alone and I think it's too exciting a project to enjoy alone. He says it is not good. You see, in creation, after every, every part of creation in chapter 1 where, he tells, where, where, where Moses tells us the whole story of creation, he says that at the end of every part of that creation, it's good. It's good. It's good. And at the end, when the crown of creation, human, comes, he says, it's very good. And so we come to verse 18. After having read that first chapter, which tells us the whole story, then chapter 2 tells us this snippet of the story about the creation of man and woman. And he says, it is not good. The only time we come across the words, it is not good, is when it talks about Adam's loneliness and, and, and isolation and his, his inability to get the work done. It is not good that the man should be alone. One of the things simply that I think that this teaches us, friends, is that in our, in our quieter moments, when we admit to ourselves the sin stuff that gets in my way, the, the, the baggage and issues and, and, and rebellion against God that, that hinder our ability to continue to become who he's made us to be. Part of that is because we do not give ourselves to the assumption that it's not good that we are alone. You have a gift. You have a gift. Make no mistake about it. You get to participate in the creation and the sustaining of culture wherever you live, wherever you are planted. It said, God, put the man there. You and I are planted. Do you have the gift of encouragement, perhaps? The gift of encouragement is the ability to spot what others are doing to create God culture in the world around you. If you have that ability and you can, you can write a note and, and say a word, make a, make a call, and bring encouragement into another person's life, then you are co-creating with that person. You are part of the process of creating God culture that we were designed to create together. See, that encouragement cannot happen if there's one person. You have a gift. Make no mistake about it. If you dust, vacuum, scrub, and clean well, then that's the ability to sustain things others have made. Without your gifts, this, this museum of creation that speaks of the glory of God and the created stuff remained filthy and, and unattractive and, and unpleasant. My wife says, I don't have this gift. When you clean something someone else has made, you are creating God culture. You are co-creating with God and with others. You have a gift. Make no mistake about it. Are you able to heal and to, to care for others' physical needs? Without those kinds of gifts, others are less able to appreciate the God culture that has been given to them. 
When you help sustain health in others, you are co-creating with God. You can't do that if just one person exists. You have a gift. Make no mistake about it. Are you able to pray for others? That's the ability to intercede with God on behalf of someone else who is suffering or in need or who is lonely or who needs relationship. You have a gift. Are you able to listen? Are you able to to build? Are you able to name the problem? Are you able to feed? Are you able to open up your home in hospitable ways? Are you able to love others whom are forgotten? Those are gifts. But friends, every single one of them is a gift given by God. You were planted here because it's a gift that you cannot have in isolation. There is no such gift. There are no isolation by myself gifts. Your job, our job, as people put in this created order, is to be a co-creator with God and with others. We are not to use them in isolation. We are not to use our gift to go against a culture of making things of beauty, but to support a culture where we take the stuff God's given us and we do something productive with it. The gifts God has given us are to be used as a part of co-creating with God and with others a culture, a place that demonstrates and honors God. That's where the church comes in. We don't want you to go solo. And so that's why we're meeting here. That's why we as the church, as the body of Christ, are called to be together. Jesus has been called, in the New Testament, the new Adam. And the church is called the bride of Christ. We are called, along with the new Adam, to be co-creators in this space. The church has a call to be the place where God-honoring culture flourishes. This is the place where the people of God band together and use whatever gifts we've been given to trim back the trees and, and to cultivate good fruit, to tend to the path, to build shelter for one another. Look, friends, the world around us is full of various cultures, some of which aren't at all healthy or God-honoring. Some of the cultures around us thrive on using people and rejecting them. Some of the cultures around us care only for people when they can make a buck off of them. Some of the cultures around us are merely self-serving collections of like-minded people. And if we are not careful as the people of God, those kinds of cultures can creep in to become the kind of culture of the church. We are called together as one body to create a different kind of culture here, a different, a different place. God calls us to cultivate among us a place where growth can happen. You've heard me perhaps talk about the three C's where we celebrate God and we cultivate growth and we communicate the gospel. For us at First Christian, that's what we call our discipleship process. That's, that's who God calls us to be along the way. A people who celebrate God, that's what we're doing now. A people who cultivate growth among ourselves, I'll come back to that. And a people who communicate the gospel in word and deed. That second C, to cultivate 
growth among us is what we're talking about in the Don't Go Solo series. You and I want to tend the relationships in our lives so they can be marked by a community of people that have a common purpose and goal. We as a congregation, as the people called by God, are trying to cultivate a place where God can work in our hearts and in our minds, in our lives, so that our relationships with one another can be rich. So that isolation, that isolation that we all feel in our, in our quieter moments can have a little less weight on us because we know that there are other people with whom we have deep relationship in a meaningful way. That's cultivating growth with one another. And we'll continue to talk about that in various ways throughout this whole series. We're going to talk next week about Moses, how he was alone at the top. We're going to talk about David, how he was alone even as king and how his own sin isolated him. And then later on in the series, we'll we'll come around to talk about what it means to be the people of God together. We are called to create a culture where we balance things like standards and excellence as well as forgiveness and mercy and grace. We are called to create a culture among us where we work and we tend to creation and yet at the same time we rest and we celebrate. We are called to create a culture perhaps of both artistic freedom and artistic responsibility. A culture where we love and yet at the same time there is justice. Whatever gift you and I have, God calls us to use it here in this place to create and maintain a space where people can flourish. Where kids can believe that adults are people of integrity and responsibility. Where strangers who may not know us or the gospel well can discover that they are welcome simply because God made them and loves them. And we do too. Where people who aren't a part of this community discover that this community doesn't exist for the members of this community. If you're wondering why you should bother with this church, it's because for God culture to maintain a foothold on this earth, God calls us together to use gifts that we simply hold in trust. Whether it's painting, whether it's building, whether it's saying a kind word, making a nice phone call, encouraging someone else. Whatever that gift is, we cannot ever think that it is ours to hold for ourselves. We hold it in trust for the sake of the body. God calls us to use those gifts in order to tend the garden well together. We don't want to go solo because we want to be the kinds of people who tend our gardens well. God's given us an incredible, a a, a vast amount of blessing with which we are called to do something and to work. We want to, in a sense, create an Eden here. And you cannot do that alone. So as we prepare for 
coming around the table in communion to think about how Christ brings us together. I want to invite you to do that with us. When we talk about the gospel of Jesus, what we mean is that what, what he did on the cross calls us together as the people of God because we couldn't ourselves. We want to exemplify that in our relationships with one another. If you're looking for a church home where you need that kind of relationship because you're tired of, of doing it alone, you're tired of that isolation, we want to, as best we can, communicate to you that this is a safe place to have relationship with one another and with God. If you're a baptized believer in Christ and, and you want to take stock in this place as the church where we want to make that happen, then we'd ask that, that you'd do that. Or if you'd like to, to name Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time, we ask that you would do that as we stand to sing.